rural and big city, but one of their big focuses right now is the are the big cities, they're calling them send cities because that's where they're sending missionaries, that's where they're sending money, that's where they're starting churches. So folks on New Orleans today, they're probably meeting right now, we're in the same time zone, so we're going to take a second and pray for them, just knowing that part of what we've given goes to start churches in New Orleans. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer for them today. Heavenly Father, we know that all over New Orleans there are missionaries setting up for church, maybe even having started church, maybe even right now opening their Bible to speak. I pray, Lord, that you will bless their work. I pray, Lord, that you will bless uh, all that they're doing, that people will hear the gospel and come to know you in a dark place. Uh, Lord, we thank you for all that we are able to do. Lord, I pray that we can continue to do more and more and more uh, to serve you and to, to spread the gospel across this country and around the world. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to do so. We pray that you will use what we give uh, in order to do that, as well as all the other churches that are putting into this. Uh, Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So First Peter. 1 Peter 3, 13 to 22, we're going to be jumping around a little bit, but we're going to start there today, continuing in this same idea of what it means to live a courageous life uh, in a culture that is really, in, in many ways, a post-Christian culture. So let's read that scripture today, 1 Peter 3, starting in verse 13, and we're going to read to verse 22, it says, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them. Be, uh, do not be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the, un the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit in which he went and proclaimed the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey. When God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this word. Pray that you make... Uh, it clear to us today that we might understand how to even uh, further honor you with our lives by setting your son, Jesus Christ, apart as Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to focus on three things. We're going to kind of move through, and we had a busy morning, kids dancing, a lot of stuff going on, so I want to make sure we get uh, into what we want to, and we don't hold you guys uh, for hours and hours, because you know I can talk. <laughs> All right, so we're going to get started. The first question, who is going to harm you? This is really a rhetorical question, because if you read in the scripture, uh, when we, what we just read, he said, now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? The answer is obvious. The, the author of Peter declares, do not fear what they fear, do not be frightened. He's reminding us that we have nothing to fear in this life if we are in Christ. But without Christ, it's a different story. In the words of Christ himself in Matthew 10, 28, it says, and do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. So, what do we fear on this earth? What do we fear in this world? Do we fear people? Do we fear slander? Do we fear what people can do to us? No. 
He's, the Jesus is saying the thing to fear is what comes after this life if you're not right with Christ. If you haven't come to faith in Jesus Christ, you haven't turned away from your life, your will, your way to follow Christ as Lord and Savior, then we have something to fear. But he's saying if you are right with God, Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you're walking in obedience to him, in submission to him, and you're following to him, we have nothing to fear. Now, that sounds, that was quick. That was the first point. You're like, wow, this is going to be fast. Then we connect to the second point. These connect because in, in the first part of verse 15, he says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. You've probably also heard this scripture uh, in other translations. Other translations say, set apart Christ as Lord. I love the idea of what, what is being said there. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Set him completely apart. Now, it starts with the word but. But's a word we use a lot. It's a very small word but it carries very great importance. It's a part of speech, and as a part of speech, we call it a conjunction. A conjunction is a word used to connect something. I know it's a grammar lesson. We had one last week. We're going to get one this week because it's important. Words matter. It's a conjunction. It's a word used to connect or introduce something that contrasts with what has already been mentioned. So it's a small word, big importance. Peter, uh, the, the author of First Peter here uses it, and it says, says this word, and when we are reading Scripture and we read some words, but... Therefore, and these are words we should sit up and take notice. So, but is one of these words when it's used, we have to sit up and take notice. So, what is it connected to? Because we know it's connecting to something else. It's connecting to the prior phrase, have no fear. The author here is saying that the solution to fear in this life is always setting apart Christ as Lord. Are you fearful? Set apart Christ as Lord. There's always going to be things in this life. Are, are you guys afraid of anything? There are always things that make us fearful. They make us worry. They give us anxiety. The author here is saying, don't fear when you suffer for doing right. When we are doing right, when we're following Christ, when we have set apart Christ as Lord and we're seeking to follow him, he says, do not fear. But there are things that we're fearful of. What are some things that, that give you fear and anxiety? Just throw them out there. Finances. Anybody? Anybody would, you would, you would raise your hand and say, yeah, finances. They make me worry. They make me anxious. Sometimes I have fear because I don't know what's going to happen. What else? Failure. Wow, that was a lot. Failure? I heard failure. Okay, failure. Sickness. Politics. Ooh. <laughs> right? Who's afraid of failing? Yeah, I, I mean, who, who's fearful of what might happen uh, in, the, in, in our country with politics? Who's anxious about that, Right? These are things that, that I don't know about you, um, there, are, there are a lot of them, they're out of our control. And those are things that we tend to be fearful about. We, we can't touch them, we can't feel them, we can't really change them. I tend to be afraid of the unknowns, and, and I'm kind of a, an, an, I, I look out at, at where, I, where we're going or what we're doing, like for instance, as a church, okay, so I'm looking ahead, I'm praying, I'm asking the Lord, show us where we're going to go, and I play out all the scenarios, you know, so it could go this way, it could go this way, it could go this way, it could go this way. It always goes some, something like those together, but it's unknown. It's uncertain what's going to happen in the future. And so when the, when the unknowns rise up, I can get anxious. There are a lot of things that can potentially make us fearful, but the author in First Peter here is saying, listen to what he's saying. He's saying, I know you're fearful because you're human, but wait, wait. You don't have to be fearful 
because in your hearts you have set aside Christ as Lord. You've set him apart. You've set him aside. Let's define that term, the idea of setting apart uh, the the scripture that we're reading. says in your hearts, honor Christ as Lord. Uh, Others say set apart Christ as Lord. To set something aside or something apart or to honor something means this, to give it greater weight than anything else. To give it greater weight to, to make someone or something special or different. And then here's one last one. To keep something separate in order to be used for a particular purpose. Now, I was, I was thinking about this and I was praying about this and it suddenly, the, the Lord kind of connected some dots for me because I was like, what is something in our life that we set apart, that we set apart or, or we, we give greater favor to or protection over? And it occurred to me that there's a biological illustration for this, and that is the brain. In your body, your brain is, your brain is the most well-protected thing in your body, okay? You've got layers of defense. You have skin. You have hair to keep it warm. Uh, under that, you have a, a, a skull, which is literally armor to protect your brain from impact. Underneath that, there's three layers of, of, a, of an organ or a, a whatever you want to call it called the meninges, they act as a shock absorber to protect your brain from the armor in case you get jostled too hard. Now, that's what happens when you get a concussion or something like that. Your brain has hit your skull too hard. Then there's another layer of protection, and it's actually, it's actually a liquid called cerebrospinal fluid that the brain literally kind of floats in. All of these things God has designed in your head to protect or to set apart your brain. Because guess what? You already know this, but without a brain, everything else ceases to function. If something happens here, everything else can cease to function. But you can lose limbs. You can lose other parts of your bodies. You can either lose some parts of some organs or all of some organs and live, right? I've never known anybody that lost their brain and lived. It doesn't happen. It's the most important organ that we have. Now, the body is also conditioned to protect the brain. Um, when something comes at us, you ever do, you ever do that? It's like your, your body, it, it just, it's automatic. If you fall down, what happens? You, you put your arms out to keep your head from hitting the ground. So it's not just the defenses that are surrounding your brain that are important, but the, the, the Lord God is in his creation, in the body, put in certain mechanisms that, that are automatic. They automatically protect the brain. Because the brain has been set apart, it's been, it's been designated as something more important for all of the rest of the body. Now, think about that as a relationship with Christ. The way our body protects our brain is the way we should relate to Christ. When, when the author says, set apart Christ as Lord, treat it like your brain. <laughs> your relationship with Christ is the most important thing. It's above all other affections that we have. Let's define that word affection for a moment. An affection is a feeling of liking or caring for something or for someone. And so when we talk about having affections, we can have an affection for a person. I have great affection for my wife. I have great affection for my children. I have great affection for Chinese food. (laughs) I have affection for a lot, and you do too. It might not be Chinese, but it's something else. We have affections, right? Uh, Affections can be, uh, they can be good. They can also be Uh, perilous to us. They can also be bad for us. We can have a great affection for a habit. Uh, It could be a bad habit. It could be drinking. It could be smoking. Maybe 
taking drugs. I don't know what your affections are, but we have a great many affections in our lives of things that we, we like and things that we, we favor. For people, Christ is above those. For things, he's above those. For places, he's above those. For habits, as hard as habits are to break, Christ is above our habits. He's above all affections. But the best reason to set Christ apart as Lord is found in Ephesians 1. Let's flip over there. I, I, I didn't look it up what it is in the, in the Pew Bible today. But if you go through the Gospels and then you go through Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and a couple other smaller books, Galatians, we get to Ephesians. Galatians, uh, right after that. Okay, so right after Galatians, we find Ephesians. We're going to read out of chapter 1. We're going to read verses 16 to 23, and we're going to hear Paul talk about the best reason to set Christ apart as Lord. And it says this, I do not cease to give thanks for you. He's talking about the church of Ephesus, so he's talking to believers in Ephesus when he says you. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, believers, saints who are in Christ, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might. Listen to what it says here. That he who worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated, listen where he's at, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, listen to where he's at, far above all rule, authority, power, dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Listen to what else he says here. And he put all things under his feet and gave him, that is Christ, as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and is in all. He's in everything. He's above everything. Everything is under him. Do you hear about the, this positional uh, statement that Paul's giving about who Christ is and where he resides at, at the, with the Father in heaven at his right hand? He's above all things and everything is below him. It sounds like, and, and in fact, he even, he even makes the connection that we just made when we talked about the illustration of the, of the brain being that most important organ that we protect. He said, Christ is the what over the church? The head. There's no mistake that Paul chose that as an illustration. Because he knew when, when he said Christ is the head over the church, we would all go, oh, I understand that. The head is the most important thing. Because without the head, without the brain, what happens? Everything falls apart. Everything falls into chaos. The best reason to set Christ apart? Because the Father set Christ apart. And if it's good enough for the Father, <laughs> is it good enough for me? God put Christ, his son, as head over all things. Now here's the connection for us. The scripture teaches us that, in, that God is love. Take a look at, at 1 John 4, 8, uh, and it's written there, it says, anyone who's not love does not know God because God is love. And then he teaches us what love is and what love does in 1 John 4, 18. He says, there's no fear in love. Again, we come back to this idea of what, uh, of things that we fear. There's no fear in love, but perfect love, that's the perfect love of God in Christ, casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected of love, in love. So what are you afraid of today? That's what I want to ask you. That's kind of where we're going to settle for a moment. 
What are you afraid of? What are you holding on to? What are you letting it rule your thoughts, your anxieties? When you lay down at night and you can't fall asleep, what is that thing? What do you, yeah, give that to the Father. What is it? It's going to be different for every person in here. It's going to be anxiety. It's going to be children. It's going to be finances. It's going to be money. It's going to be that habit that has control of me that I can't break. Whatever it is, set it aside to the Father let him deal with it because Christ is Lord. Do not fear. We're often afraid of what we don't know, we don't understand. Are you, are you afraid of something you don't know or you don't understand today? Give it to the Father. Set apart Christ as Lord. If you're fixed on your affections, you're fixed on your possessions, your work, uh, the people around you, things, money, habits, whatever they are, listen, w- what happens when you think about those things? You worry about them. What, what's the thing you don't want to happen to the people you love? You don't want to lose them. What about the money you have? You don't want to lose it. What about the house you live in? You don't want to lose it. So often we're, we're, we're consumed with and, and think about and worry about and are anxious about the things that, that we have no control over because we're worried about losing them. But we set apart instead Christ as Lord. And he holds those things for us, and we don't worry about them anymore. He takes the anxiety. He takes the fear. Now, the author of Peter doesn't just leave it hanging here. He, he, he's not finished yet, because he also explains why Christ is worthy of being loved. We read it a minute ago, but I'm going to read it again out of 1 Peter. He explains to us why Christ is worthy of being set apart As Lord, verses 18 to 22 in chapter 3 that we read a moment ago, it says, and and, and in case you didn't catch it the first time, the author here tells you what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. For Christ also suffered once for sin. The righteous, that is Christ, for the unrighteous, that's you and me. That he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, remember, on the cross but being made alive in the Spirit because He rose again, in which He went to proclaim the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey. And he talks about Noah. He said, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with all angels, authorities, and powers being subjected to him. Again, he sounds like Peter, doesn't he? Because the author has said the same things. Christ is in heaven. He's above all things. Everything else is under him. Why do we set apart Christ as Lord? Because he's worthy of being set apart Christ as Lord. Because of what he did for you and I. The righteous for the unrighteous died. He carried your sin and my sin to the cross. He was buried. He rose again on the third day. And he now is with the Father in heaven. He's alive. He, he, he was the perfect sacrifice to carry our unrighteousness and our sin and find forgiveness for it. It's because of the gospel, because Jesus Christ loved us, because the Father loved us. And because the Father first loved us, we can love each other and we can find in ourselves a, a, a Christ to follow if he's in us and follow him in such a way that we're able to put aside the fear 
because we're focused on the most important thing, which is the head, which is Christ, because we've set him apart as Lord. It's interesting, we, we get, I think, wrapped up in thinking about Christian-y words sometimes, and the word Lord is probably one of those Christian-y words we get wrapped up in. But a Lord is actually uh, something, someone that you are owned by. The Father created us. He's our Lord. But, but many of us have other Lords. Food. Alcohol. Work. Money. Relationships. Whatever it is. And these things, they speak to us. And, and, and we, we want to follow those lords because we can get something out of it. So when we hear this idea of setting Christ apart as Lord, think of that as setting him apart of everything else that wants a piece of us. <laughs> we only can have one Lord. Uh, and, and I didn't pull up the scripture, but I, I'm sure some of you have read the scripture where he's talking about money, and he's like, you can't have two lords. You can't serve God and serve money. And a lot of people will use that and talk about giving and tithing and stuff like that. But, but, but think about that same idea here. You can't serve two lords. You can't serve a career and God. You can't serve money and a God. You can't serve a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a spouse uh, or, and, and God. You can't serve uh, a habit and God. So he says, set those things apart. Set them, set them aside and, and follow Christ, who is set apart as the head. And then he says this. He says, always be prepared. We're going to circle back up to the top, back to verse 15. Because the author here says, always be prepared to get an answer. And these, all these things are all going to wrap up. So I'm going to read 1 Peter 3, 15, just the second half. It says, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope, that is in you. And he says, yet do it with gentleness and respect. In other words, always be ready to tell people about your relationship with Christ. Always be ready to tell people that Christ is the head in your life and you have set him apart and you are following him and him alone. And here's my, this is where you have an opportunity to speak. You have an opportunity to say, here's what Christ did for me. Because for each one of us in this room, it's the same and it's different. For each one of us who's come to faith in Christ, he has rescued us from 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 sin, uh, from hell, from Satan, and he's placed us in the kingdom of light and, in, and in gifted us with eternal life. We all who are in Christ have that. Now, how he did that in each of our lives is different. Some of us heard about Christ when we were young. We came to Christ when we were young. That's Lydia's story. Uh, she grew up in a house where her father was a pastor and her brothers are pastors, all her uncles are pastors, all her grandfathers on her dad's side, everybody pastors all the way back. She was steeped in Christianity, and she heard the gospel message from very young and came to faith in Christ. Some of us didn't grow up like that, right? Anybody? <laughs> yeah. We may have gone to a different church where we didn't hear the gospel clearly, and it was cloudy, and we didn't understand it. We may not have gone to church at all. We didn't hear anything about the gospel. Some of us were saved out of terrible circumstances. Some of us out of a loving home with great parents, and everything was wonderful. There, there's a variety of ways we came to faith in Christ. The author here says, always be prepared. Now, there's four things we're going to note here briefly. He says, first, if you're a Christian, Peter's saying, the, the author of Peter here is saying that having hope is part of the package. If you are a follower, a Christ follower, Christ is in you, 
you have hope, but, but I'm going to ask you, is that real for you? Do you feel like you have hope? Do you live like you have hope? Do you, do you express your life as a hopeful life? Do you have hope? Do you have abundant life? Uh, a life of living, serving a risen Savior and a hope for a future? Because that's the hope we receive in Christ. When we set Christ apart as Lord, He gives us a hope for the future. This is the hope about which we are supposed to speak. Peter says, the the author of Peter says, always be prepared to talk about the reason for the hope you have. Maybe some of us don't share our faith as often as we should because we're not hoping about the future and we're not thinking about the future and we're not looking at the head. We haven't set things aside so that we can set Christ apart as Lord and we can follow him. So, so for some of us, this might be a wake-up call today. Uh, the author of 1 Peter, when you read this, he might, be, he might be saying, okay, you need to reorient your priorities and think differently. The next thing he indicates here is, is with his word choices that it is natural, listen, for you to live your Christian life out publicly. Now, some of us grew up where you didn't talk about two things. What were they? Religion and politics. Well, we mentioned both of those today. <laughs> we, we grew up and we live under this illusion that we don't talk about these two things, religion and politics. The author of Peter is saying false. Not necessarily on the politics one. <laughs> but on the faith side. Listen, How else could it be that people would ask you, because listen to what he wrote, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason. If you are not living your Christian faith, I'm just going to submit this to you, take it or leave it. If you are not living your Christian faith out in such a way that people notice it and ask you, then you're not living it right. People should be like, you're in the store, you're, you're at work, you're wherever, in your neighborhood, your home, your college campus, your, your high school, your middle school, your elementary school, and people are like, that dude's weird. Something's weird with that guy. What is it? Something, I, and they have to know, why would you be so nice to Johnny? Do you know what Johnny just said about you? Why would you be so nice to him? Oh, guess what? That's an opportunity to share the hope that you have. I'm nice to Johnny because I was terrible like Johnny used to be. (laughs) And God changed me. And he can change you too. And he can change Johnny also. The the language choices, remember I said a little while ago, words matter. The words matter here. If your Christian relationship with Christ is a secret, if it's something you wear on Sunday, if we wouldn't recognize you out in the world as a believer and no one else does, you're not doing it right. Right? You're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. How will people even know to ask you about the hope you have if you live as if you have no hope? That was a lot of hopes. But that might have been the most important thing I said today. How will people know you have hope if you live as if you have none? You're complaining. Oh, no. Did he just call me out for complaining? Lydia calls me out for complaining. Not all the time, but sometimes. She's like, you're complaining. Even when I'm not, she'll say, that sounds like complaining. I'm like, okay. Stop complaining. If people around you don't know you have hope because you complain all the time, you're not doing it right. How will they know? 
your life in Christ, the way in which you live, the approach with which you take life, uh, take towards life with the good and the bad and the ugly, either, either tells people the gospel of Jesus Christ or it hides it from them. Which are you doing today? Are you telling people there's a God almighty in heaven, creator of heaven and earth. He made all things. He's in all things. He's through all things. He's above all things. I'm worshiping him. He's amazing. And I want you to know him too. Or are you like, this life really sucks. And my boss sucks. And school. And my parents. And my kids. And I'm self-medicating. Drugs, alcohol, food. TV, binge watch, whatever it is, just so I can make it through the day. And then that's what people are seeing, and they're like, wow, you know, I, I heard that Joe Bob, I love that one, I heard Joe Bob goes to church, but he sure doesn't act like it. I know there's no Joe Bobs around here, so I can say that. That's Southern. In, in the South, there'd be a Joe Bob at church, right? There's no Joe Bob here today. You should look so different that people can't help but wonder, what is up with that guy? You live like you don't have a problem in the world even when I can see and I know that you have problems. Why? How? I need that. That's the Christian life. If Jesus is your treasure, you will always speak about him. But if something else is your treasure, you're not going to be speaking about Christ. The third thing he mentions here, kind of uh, as we unpack just that last half of that verse, when asked... You should know what to say. Always be prepared to give a defense, right? Always be prepared. Are you prepared today if you lived differently and somebody rescued, I'm sorry, recognized that in you, and they said, hey, what's up? Would you know what to say? Would you be prepared to say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Let me tell you how that happened. He changed my life. I was like this, and now I'm like this. The, the story is very simple. It doesn't have to be complicated, and it doesn't have to be, I mean, it helps to use the Bible, but you don't have to have a lot of Scripture memorized to start sharing the gospel. You just tell a simple story, who I was before Christ, how I met Christ, and who I am today. You can tell that whole story without a Scripture. It would help if you added a couple. It would help if you pointed to the Bible. Hey, the Bible says all of us are, are without any excuse. We're all in sin. All of us have sinned. That'd be, I mean, you don't even have to know the citation for that. Just The Bible says everyone's sinned. And I realized I sinned too. And here's what God did for me. In Christ, he sent his Christ, his son Christ, and he went to the cross and he took my sin on the cross. I couldn't pay for it. No matter what, I, I, I could try. I could try to be good. I could try to go to church, read my Bible give an offering. I could try to do these things, but nothing I did could take away that sin. And then I, I found out that Jesus Christ could take away my sin because he was the perfect sacrifice. And he saved me. And people are like, wow, I want to know a little bit more about that. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be difficult. But when you're asked, you should know. Don't share somebody else's story. <laughs> share your story. It doesn't matter how mundane your story is or how exciting it is. That's the story that the person you're with at that moment needs to hear because it's not an accident that God put you together in that divine moment with a person who is asking you to give a defense for the hope you have in Christ. Now, you may finish and I may go, that's dumb. I don't want any of that. That's an appropriate response to a sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are called to share. 
You are called to live and to speak and to model. You are not called to make them receive Christ. That happens between them and God through the moving of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ in their life. Whether they say yes or whether they say no, that's not on you. If you tell somebody the gospel of Jesus Christ and they're like, I'm out. You did your job. That might sting a little. (laughs) And I'll, I'll tell you from experience, it does. But you keep going because you've set Christ apart as Lord. Share your story. It's your hope, so share it. Last thing, we do this with gentleness and respect. I'm not going to belabor that, but at the very end uh, of that verse in 15, he says, be prepared to make a defense. Anyone who asks you for the reason you have hope, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Have you ever been disrespected when somebody shared the gospel with you? Anybody? You ever been hammered with the Bible, hammered with uh, a, a hard sell. You have to come to faith right now in Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray with you, and let's just kneel down right here on the street corner, and we're going to pray. And anybody ever had an experience like that at, in the street or at a church or something like that? Yeah, or at work. <laughs> Maybe God's trying to say something there. No. You you turn it around on him. <laughs> Do these things with gentleness and respect. In the words of Paul, over all of these things, put on love. We share the hope that we have and the faith we have in Christ because we set Christ apart as Lord because of love. Scripture says we can't love other people until we realize God first loves us, and then we are truly capable of loving another person. So we share the gospel, and we do it in love and gentleness and respect. And so when it all comes down to it, that's what this is really about today. We do everything in love. Are you fearful? Love Christ. Are you worried? Love Christ. Are you anxious? Love Christ. Are you doing the thing God has set before you, even though it raises fears? Because for some of us, the idea of sharing our faith makes us anxious. Set apart Christ as Lord. If you're fearful, if you're anxious, if you're worried, it doesn't matter what that thing is. Give it to the Father today. He has called you and He loves you and He wants to know you and have a relationship with you and walk with you. He wants to change you and transform you and He wants to have you represent His hands and His feet to Elmwood Park, to, to Franklin Park, to Chicago. I'm trying to name all the places everybody lives, to River Grove. Wherever you live, that's where he's called you to be salt and light and hope. He wants you to be this person that in your heart you honor Christ as Lord. In fact, I put that up here so you can remember this. In your heart, honor Christ the Lord as holy he has set apart and he has saved us and he has put a hope in us do you anybody do you have that hope today i hope i hope i hope you have the hope (laughs) let's pray heavenly father lord you filled us with hope you fill us with your spirit Uh, if we are in you lord it says that, that, that the Spirit of God comes to live in us because no longer are you honored in, in buildings 
and in temples and behind curtains and in holy places, but, but you, have, you have flipped the script on this, Lord, and now you, you are in the temple of the individual. The Lord, we, we give up all the other lords of our life. We lay down the Lord of, of food and the Lord of drink and the Lord of party and the, the Lord of drugs and the Lord of money and career and all those other things. We lay down those lords. We, we abdicate and we set apart a new Lord, a Father in heaven who loves us, His Son Jesus Christ who died for us, and, his, and the Holy Spirit, that, that third part of the, the three shall be one God who, who lives in the life of the believer and marks them uh, as, as a new heir in Christ. Man, you've done so much for us, Father. Why would we not want to share that hope and live that hope and be excited about that hope? Lord, challenge us this week. You've ordered us. You've directed us. The disciples said, what do we do now? And he said, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them everything I've commanded you. Lord, you've told us to do that very same thing. Through through. The, the author of 1 Peter, you've told us to put love on over all these things and to set Christ apart as Lord. Through Paul, you've, you've, you, you've explained who Christ is and, and how he's above all things. Lord, you've told us over and over and over again. Lord, I pray that as we are challenged with these things again today, Lord, you will, you'll He'll push us over that hump. Push us beyond ourselves. That it's not about me. I am not the center of the universe. Lord, we know that you want to rescue us from fear and worry and anxiety. And for some of us, it's numbing. Lord, today we give you those things. Lord, rescue us from fear and anxiety and worry. Lord, you have placed Christ in us. Lord, again, fill us with your Spirit. Lord, we ask you again and again, day after day and week after week, as Scripture says, ask again for the filling of the Spirit. Lord, fill us again with your Spirit today that we might serve you and love you and not worry and not be anxious. but Lord, that we follow you in a way that's recognizable. Lord, thank you that words do make a difference in reminding us today that we have to live a life that's recognizable to others. Lord, I pray for divine conversations for everybody who's a Christ follower in this room today. This week, Lord, that somebody comes and says, I see something different in you. What is it? And in that moment, Lord, may we not shirk back, may we not dodge the, dodge the question, but, but just boldly say something about you, some truth about who you are. Lord, I pray that you place those in our paths this week, Lord. I pray that you will use us as your mouths, as your hands, as your feet to continue spreading the gospel in the places that we live and we work and we play. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing a couple songs here in a second, but I got two things. Uh, anybody read the email this week? And it said at the top of the email, first person to contact Lydia will get a fabulous prize. Did anybody even see that? Okay, well, somebody saw it. 
Eric Cardona. I got a fabulous prize for you. 